I'm Jake Thompson, and this is the Better Than Yesterday podcast. What's up? We are mid-July, we are rocking and rolling, and this is another episode of the Better Than Yesterday podcast. I'm excited you're here. Today I get to welcome in friend Danny Doc Wright of the Wright Edge. Doc and I have known each other for a little while now, a few years actually, uh, when we got to meet initially at CrossFit, uh, both being at the same gym and then just have stayed in touch. And today I wanted to get Doc onto the show because recently in the last year he launched into his own entrepreneurial journey. Uh, woodworking. He created an awesome sign for me here at the office, Uh, but really I wanted to dive into why he chose to make that leap. Uh, A lot of people that write in for the show are wanting to either launch off in the pursuit of a goal, perhaps start a business, start something new in their life, write a new chapter. And so Doug gives great insight to his process of how he went from his day job and the course he was on into jumping feet first into this new direction, creating things and bringing them to life for his customers. So I hope you enjoy today's show. It's a little bit different than some of our other conversations, but man, there's some valuable insight in there. As always, if you have feedback for the show, if you love what we're doing, or if you have guest suggestions, we read everything coming in. So you can email us directly, email me directly at podcast at competeeveryday.com or leave us a rating and review on iTunes. We check out everything on there, we read it, and we take everything into consideration as we're updating just the show plans, the direction, and the guest list. We appreciate you. Now let's welcome to the show, Doc Wright. Doc, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, So... I'm a science nerd, um, was a geologist for an oil company for about four years. Uh, before that, worked in a bunch of different industries and just kind of started picking up wood as a stress relief from work. Had a buddy, uh, Nate Forty, uh, who owns Blue Bonnet Construction, who was like, hey, man, I just bought this table. Can you make a bench? I was like, yeah, I can do that. So made a bench. and then Was he's that like, your first project? Yeah, very first one. So you agreed to it before you'd ever done anything? Yeah. Okay. Did he know that you had never done anything? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just, I'm pretty handy. I built a neighbor's deck. And so he was like, oh, can you do smaller stuff? I was like, yeah, I can do anything. I'm pretty sure. So then I built a coffee table. Uh, He was like, man, that's dope. Can I buy it? I'm like, yeah, of course. And then uh, I did two tabletops for a wedding venue out in College Station with a, a dude that I used to wrestle with in high school. And then next thing I know, uh, these people reached out to me, asked if I could do a, like eight and a half foot by four and a half foot dining room table. I was like, sure. So it went from zero to 90 real quick. And then beat and bow homes out in West Texas, their West Texas's biggest custom home builder. Their interior designer called me, wanted me to bid on a 14 by five foot table. I was like, sure. Sent the bid in 10 minutes later, she called me back asking to send a quote for all five. So once I landed that bid, it was, you know, kind of stars aligned and decided to quit my full-time job and go head first into this. And so how many weeks, months was it from the first table project until you quit the job through the deuces out the door? Two and a half months. 
It's a quick turn. What? <laughs> to, well, say, to say the least. I mean, yeah. So what made you decide at that point, two months in, you had this big contract, but what made you decide, screw it, I'm, I'm, all, I'm out, I'm going all in this route? I wasn't happy at my job. Um, you know, I being in corporate America since, you know, I graduated in 2008, it's a different world. And it's a world that I didn't ever really quite fit in because... I, I'm a workaholic. That's all I know is hard work. Hard work's not hard. It's just dedication and being proud of the product you put out. And whenever you can bust your ass, you know, do four different other projects, but yet the person next to you who's doing the bare minimum gets the same recognition as you do. It just kind of always drove me nuts. So whenever this came along, I don't know, everything just kind of has always come easy whenever I put my heart into it. So it was just, it made sense. And I'm young. I'm not married. I don't have kids. So if I'm going to take a risk and go do something on my own, now's the time. What? So in the, in that vein, what made you first want to go into geology? Cause obviously I, I sense a natural earth theme throughout this whole thing of geology played with rocks now, trees <laughs> and lumber. What made you first want to go that route at tech? And then ultimately when you start working on your neighbor's deck and getting into that, what kind of was a, trial of hey i'm kind of handy at making this little things well my dad was uh he used to own his own plumbing company and he was always very much uh you know if you're not wrestling i i was a all-state wrestler and was on the national team for three years in high school and so if i wasn't wrestling he was like you're working i was like awesome i got a job at heb and he goes no i got a job uh for you framing this summer or the next summer i did concrete work so i've always been pretty handy and kind of I can figure out almost anything just with tools. And so uh, I had a scholarship to wrestle at a D2 school in Minnesota. Uh, got hurt, just wasn't a good fit, wanted to come home. So I transferred to tech. I mean, I was a jock. I didn't know anything. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know how to study. And I quickly realized I don't like subjects where you and I can have a difference of opinion on something and neither of us are correct or incorrect. So I gravitated towards a science where it's less opinion, more data. And my stepmom's a geologist, so I was like, oh, geology is a good fit. I've kind of been around it. And then halfway through my college career, I actually switched over to be a chemistry major. I just, I took organic, fell in love with it, and wanted to be a chemistry major. And then uh, my senior year of college, my dad got diagnosed with cancer. And with that, you know, he went on disability. So getting, you know, student loans is almost impossible. So I was like, all right, uh, how can we do this? Well had to graduate with a geology degree in one semester. So switched back to geology, graduated with a minor in chemistry and started working. And then did your job bring you here to the Dallas Metroplex or, mm -hmm. okay, so that's how you got here. Yeah, I, uh, first job was in Austin and then I took a job in Dallas. Then they moved me up to Seattle, uh, kind of bounced around the Pacific Northwest a little bit. And then, man, when you don't see the sun for three months, it wears on you being from the South. So I took a job with an engineering firm up in Frisco and was there for two years until the oil company I worked for found me on LinkedIn and worked there for four years. Nice, nice. So, okay, so then you've been handy, you launched down, you launched your own. There's a ton of people that would love the experience of one, starting their business, but two, guys listening to this that are handymen are probably thinking, oh, I can build anything. I, I've thrown stuff together with duct tape and nails yeah. in my garage as we all have at some point your work is a little bit different in that there's there's a craft to it and so tell me a little bit about kind of your vision or how you look at 
bringing something to life because everybody's got their own style. Artists have their own style. Musicians have their own style. Mm-hmm. Every creator has that style. And I'm assuming a lot of your style has developed from your time traveling Northwest around Texas, bringing in bits and pieces. But what would you define your style as and how's it come to be? So when I got hooked up with my business partner, um, you know, anybody can make a sign or a barn house style table out of stuff you can find from Home Depot. The stuff you really don't see around ever, especially in the South, because Texas isn't a logging state, is live edge wood, like big slab live edge wood. You can buy it in a couple stores, but it's super expensive. So whenever I found a direct source for that, like where we have our own bandsaw, we have our own kiln to dry the wood. I mean, that alone, I was like, wow, that's, this is an untapped resource. Nobody else has this. And I did my research. We're based on all the research I've done. We're the only people in Texas that actually have our own kiln to dry the wood, which is key. You cut a tree, it's going to be wet. And if per inch of thickness, it takes a year to dry. Yeah. This is kind of like a giant food dehydrator. So that speeds up the process. So once I realized the source that I have and the unlimited resources that we have, I was like, okay, now we're onto something different and unique. Now, how can we do stuff about this? And the style of furniture is, you know, the big slab live edge stuff. Um, Like right now uh, in my shop, I have a 14 foot by five foot walnut conference room table. Go try to find a 14 foot piece of walnut. (laughs) So uh, honestly, it just comes from, you know, uh, my business partner and I, we just, the stuff that's gotten the most recognition is stuff that we've just played around with and just had a creative idea that we wanted to run with. So that's more the unique style that nobody's doing, nobody's seeing. Um, some of my work has been promoted on the best, like high end Instagram woodworking sites and it's garnished a lot of attention. So it's kind of been fun going a unique way and, kind of carving a different path. And so how many, how many months have you been doing this now? And how many projects to date have you taken on? Since I started woodworking mm-hmm. or, or since you started your company, since you left and went full time. Cause you had the giant order yeah. of tables that you were like, I'm out, I'm doing this full time. So starting with that, how many projects have you been working on? Um, or just new clients kind of sitting in the pipeline? Um, new clients sitting in the pipeline. We're probably in talks with about four different companies, um, probably about three like personal individuals awesome. uh, where we're kind of in the beginning stages of discussing quoting pricing and stuff like that. Um, overall projects, uh, four. Awesome. And these aren't like get it done in a weekend type project. These take you a long time. So what's the average kind of turn time from somebody placing an order through it being delivered? Oh, that's a, that's a variable question. It depends. Like for the big project, we went out and customly, like we custom harvested five trees so that they could have a different species of wood for each table. So we went down, cut down the trees, cut it, milled it, got it in the kiln to dry. And that process started the day after we signed the contract in February with our delivery date looking to be uh, the 10th, 17th, probably the 18th or 19th of July. Okay. So, I mean, it's been every bit of a five, six month project, but smaller stuff like I did for Dallas Sites 101, we already had that cut dried and I pumped out and I think like eight days. That's awesome. And I know you did some work for me in, in creating our Eritas sign. And yeah. A lot of it that'll go into some of the workshops we have coming up. There's an attention to detail, which I like, and I'm curious if you've always had that eye for the detail, if that's 
part of your school and, and just the science and having to pay attention to the just the finest data points um, or if it's something exclusively to this craft that you've just found a passion for that detail in this space. I feel like attention to detail and being OCD is kind of a general must for anybody that's going to run their own business. I mean, look at you, look at Kevin Lavelle from Mizzen in Maine, look at anybody who started something on their own. They're all OCD. They're all hard workers. They don't know when to quit or how to quit. So I think it's just a general mindset of somebody that doesn't want to put out a bad product. It has to be the best of the best. And if your name's going to be on it, you better back it up. So quality is my number one priority. Nice. All right. So what is next for you? I mean, you, you've got this stuff, you brought on an intern, you've got a business partner, you know, in less than a year's time, you've gone from working for someone else to now not only running your own business, but having to work with a business partner and an intern. That's, that's a lot of change and, <laughs> and upheaval. How are you handling that process and transition? Because from experience, I know it's a learning process as mm -hmm. you go. Um, but it's one you've got to have, it's like an accordion. You've got to have these like limitations of where you'll go, but you've got to have the flexibility to move back and forth. So on your end, how are you navigating that process? Not sleeping. <laughs> Honestly, that's, that's the fun and the scary part about this is being open to evolving from your original idea of what your company is going to be to branching out and doing things that you never thought of. Or if a client like uh, today I had a meeting and they want to be exclusive on a certain piece that we're going to do. And just, you know, we never really wanted to go a route that's not custom, but it's something that's so custom that most clients don't even know it's available. So being open to that kind of stuff. And then I think the main thing is staying true to what you want to do and not trying to branch out in so many ways that you're never seeing the end of the road, but trying to find your singular focus and just staying on that path. I have, think that's helped us a ton. Have you had those struggles early where you've wanted to do more or have you been just pretty adamant about from the start about here's our narrow focus and we stick with it? Here's our narrow focus and we stick with it. Um, like I said, the stuff that has kind of got us the most attention has been the experimental stuff. So that's our next step, honestly, is we've done this one big project, you know, the end is in sight. We can't wait to see the looks on their faces when they get the tables. They're going to lose their mind. They're amazing. And what we want to do is my business partner and I decided, because he does all the welding work and that stuff, and I do all the woodworking. So we're going to set aside four different pieces that we're just going to make for us. And so if somebody wants to buy them, cool. If not, no worries. I had a meeting last night with a, a local art dealer, uh, Gideon Swift, who saw my work. He sees the same thing that I do and the uniqueness and the one of a kind kind of uh, properties of what we're doing. He wants to put on a full gallery for us. So that's something I never thought of. I know nothing about that world, but somebody sees what I see and they want to help us out. So that'd be a great way to get our name out there, get us some promotional work and get us in touch with a clientele that we want to work with. Absolutely. And, and it saves you the issues of having to have your own dedicated space, which as we talked about, that's, there's a lot of committed funds and resources. Oh, yeah. And in your first year, there's a lot of roller coaster. I mean, in every year, let's be honest, there's a lot of roller coaster riding. So I think that's a, just an awesome opportunity. What other, what excites you most about doing this? Like what, what do you love most about this? Is it owning your own business? Is it the creating? Is it the 
giving it to the clients? Like, what do you enjoy most about this process? The looks on the client's faces when they see their product. Because when I look at a piece of wood, I can see, I, I have the vision, I can see what's in it, but most people can't. And so every piece that I've done that I've delivered to my clients, the excitement, the emotion that's attached to it, because now they have a custom piece that cannot be replicated. It's one of a kind. And it was done with them. They were involved in the entire process from handpicking out their slabs, giving them options on stain, giving options on finishes, working with them on base design. So seeing what they've always wanted come to life, it's, in a very, it's a very addictive feeling. And it's the first time that I've ever felt like everything I've actually put into something, I've actually got the reward. It's the most justification I've ever done. And I don't think I could ever go back to doing anything else. What scares you most about this? Nothing. Genuinely, no worries, fears, concerns about anything in this. Right now, I think at every, well, I say nothing, but obviously the biggest scare is, you know, not being successful. For whatever reason, you know, the market's going to fluctuate, you know, sales are going to be high, sales are going to be low, but being financially smart enough to mitigate those low times and plan smartly for the high times so right now, we've been very fortunate to not do zero marketing, zero advertising. It's all been social media, just switching up my Instagram to a local business page and word of mouth. So now that we brought on the intern, he's actually doing you know, the cold calls, going out, handing out uh, portfolios, business cards, getting meetings. So now that we're transitioning actually to function like a true business rather than just you know, word of mouth type stuff. So we're in the middle of that transition right now, but my only fear is I don't want to be a one trick, like a one trick pony. I landed one big job right out of the get go. I don't want that to be my only one. You don't want to be like the, the Macarena band that came out with the Macarena <laughs> that was the hit yeah, and then disappeared. Exactly. That's, that's the one thing I don't want to be. Man, I love it. I, and, and I think, I, th- I love your attitude because I think there's a healthy approach to that and the fear of not succeeding is something that I think most people have. I mean, it, the other guys you mentioned earlier, we could all have the discussions around fears and there's all conversations in terms of success and, and wanting to succeed. Some are going to come from different angles because there's different reasons they, they fear not succeeding or there's different people that they're either trying to live up to or support. And so, um, but I think, going into it with that mindset of preparing for the slow days is a good mindset to have. Cause not a lot of people get to come out of that gate flying. Yeah. And if they do, not a lot of them get to hang on to it. Agreed. I can't imagine starting a business and actually having to take out a business loan to do it. That, that to me would be scary because at that point you already have overhead. You do, but I'm extremely fortunate to have an incredible support cast around me of guys that I can call and ask advice from like yourself. I talked to Kevin, uh, on occasion. Um, Dean zoo is a great contact for me. I mean, he's been with me since day one, so I'm not alone in this, but I also feel like most people are afraid to take the chance to be successful due to failure. Once you realize you're going to fail at something, no matter what, once you accept that, you know, the fear is objectified and you can get past it and take the risk, take the chance. And that's where the products that I make, talking to woodworkers, you know, people I've gotten in contact with across the country, most of them are afraid to tackle the size of projects that I'm doing. Because if you make one wrong cut, you know, something goes wrong, 
you know, they don't have the inventory to replace it with no cost, so to speak. So that's why I feel like our product is changing the game, so to speak. There's very few non super big companies that are producing this stuff that are doing what I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, most of the big companies are going to have that vertical and most of the uh, smaller companies are just going to have to be working with other companies in their vertical. And and that is definitely a huge advantage for y'all. So you've got an awesome Instagram. How can people check out your work, look at more of your products? If they're like, man, I'm looking for stuff for my company. I'm looking for things for my house. How can they, so to speak, get in line with some of the the projects you have coming if they get on your website and you're like, oh man, I love the look of this. Uh, Yeah, just either go to Instagram, uh, shoot me a private message or go to the website. And And both of those are? uh, The Instagram page is The Right Edge with the W and same thing with the website, www.therightedge.com. And there's about 50 links to get my contact info and shoot me a message. And the beautiful thing also is that if anybody contacts us, you're only going to deal with me. So you won't talk to anybody else. You'll deal directly with me and I'll work with you on whatever you want. Man, doc. All right. So everybody catch that the right edge on the website, as well as Instagram, we'll have links to it in the show notes. If you want to shoot doc a note directly, do so on Instagram or reveal your grain at gmail.com. Where'd you come up with the name? Reveal your grain. Funny story about that, actually. The original name of the company was supposed to be Poignant Edge, and it kind of had a catchy theme to it. And Dean and I raked our heads for about two weeks. We could not come up with a logo or design that just felt organic. So my best friend's wife is a PhD behavioral psychologist, probably the smartest woman I've ever met. She's incredible and probably one of the sweetest, most genuine people I've ever met. So I reached out to her and she was like, okay, uh, here's a set of you know, five questions I want you to answer honestly. You know, it was word association type stuff. You had 10 words to describe what you want to do. What is it? And so she's the one who actually came up with the name and the kind of the tagline, reveal your grain. And Dean, once we got the name down, everything after that just kind of fell into place. Everything just came so naturally and perfect. I, I love it. It's very fitting considering your last name is right. Uh, I laugh that that's the story behind it. Most people are like, I'm putting my name on it. And you're like, no, we're going this direction. Somebody else brings it back. Oh, Doc, this is fun. Thanks so much for being on today. Dude, thank you very much. Good to see you as always, brother. That's it for another episode of the Better Than Yesterday podcast. Thanks for joining us this week. I I appreciate you as a listener. I appreciate each member of the Compete community, and I'm glad that you tuned in this week, and hopefully you found some value in what we shared and who we brought on and just all the types of content we're out sharing. So if you got feedback, like I said, shoot us a note directly to podcast at competeeveryday.com. Connect with us on social media. Say hi. Tell us you found the podcast. We love connecting with new members of the community. We want to welcome you. Uh, We want to find ways to connect you and equip you with ways that you can be better than yesterday. Have a great week.